Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 395. This is your guide to the geek side. And if you are so inclined and want to listen to all of our wonderful podcasts, please subscribe to the Secret Friends Unite network feed to get the Star Wars, the Star Trek, the all things nerd, and the video games. And then when you're done doing that, please go over to our YouTube page to see our wonderful faces in more places as we talk about all the wonderful nerdy things you love plus also see our wonderful backgrounds and all the prop comedy we bring to the table so with that i'm one of your hosts todd oxtra joined by charlie carden Woo! take two scooby-doo yeah you're gonna notice a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a theater of the mind when we go from phase a to phase b dealing with uh, some weird zencaster issues not only on this program but also we had some weird stuff going on uh recording there's a common there's a there's a common ingredient to that hmm, i wonder who it is <laughs> i think it's um the economy isn't that what people usually blame it's the economy yes, yes it is i've been yes, in it is the i've been economy. in sa- I've been in sales my whole career, and that's always the excuse somebody does. Oh, it's the economy. There you go. Yeah, can't afford it this month. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> Hit the bricks. It. Yes. Uh-oh. You're uh, out. So, yeah. So, this week, you know, uh, I've recovered from COVID. I'm here. I'm back. We skipped a week because of that. Um, and apparently, Zencaster got COVID too. So, I guess we are recording big time. this again, recording the beginning of this podcast. And then you'll see a second part of the podcast where we look a little bit different. So, be different. ready for that. But something Do that it. looks a little bit different is a cover where apparently Ooh. the Captain America and Thor are taking on the baking squad. The ooze. Now, this is nuts. Now, this is, uh, you know, I was I was actively reading the title at this time, as, as you and I both know, this was, well, the title had quite a bit of life to it because this was issue 395. They got into the 400s. It was about, they had about five years before we had Heroes Reborn and everything went away. But in this, we get uh, Cap with Thor. Now, Thor is wearing, what, Todd, what were you calling it? The reverse tank top. Reverse tank top, yeah. Which uh, Pat and Oswald dubbed uh, the chance to see the meat display. Yeah, it was just a chance for somebody with abs to show off their abs. Uh, so that's what they're doing here. But, yeah, Doughboy uh, was the 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 ad- version of the Adaptoid or something. He was in the employee of the Red Skull. So they're probably in the Skull House. That's kind of what's going on here. So that's that's the scene. But, yeah, that was kind of two gross covers in a row. So the, the gross out. Um, but this was during the early 90s. So we were teeing up to bad fashion. I was glad that Cap's outfit didn't change. He was the only one. He didn't have a big belt at this point. Or the you know, the huge man boobs, which he got, you know, when Rob Liefeld took over. So that was pretty stable at this point. But Thor was already showing um, some questionable fashion choices with that giant helmet. My God, that's nuts. It's out of yeah, I, I was just noticing the size of the A on Cap's head, and I'm like, that's a little distracting. It is. You know what? It did not always seem to be that big, but it was that big for a long time. So I don't know. Weird. Mm, it's the eye Weird. chart. Weird. Yeah, it's the eye chart. Does it look better number one or number two? Again, number one or number two. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, so when you're done reading that comic, we check in with our gal pal, our senior news correspondent. So without further delay, Madam Webb, take it away. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. We are ready for the news, Madam Webb, so thank you very much. Um, But uh, just let you know, 
Uh, it's a very special time. Your bonus is about to kick in in a couple episodes. You get an extra nickel every episode. Aren't you excited? Oh, man. How are we going to be able to keep up with that? I mean, she's worth it. Obviously, she brings us these hot scoops, but boy, a nickel. I mean, you know, to do the math on that one, we record every week. She's making an extra 20 cents a month. Uh, compounded, compounded, compounded. I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how the money works out. Hopefully we can keep it going, but that's the rate of inflation, right? A nickel, <laughs> I suppose. A nickel. Yeah. Back in 19 diggity two. Uh, yeah. But first up, we have the return of a, I'm not even going to call him a controversial filmmaker. Um, but certainly he, it brings to me shades of Kevin Smith strong out the gate. Uh, but eventually got to a point in his career where he just kind of does whatever. And that would be uh, Pennsylvania's own M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong uh, has a new movie coming out. Now, Todd, did you see his last film, Old the Beach That Makes You Get Old? I did not. I was intrigued. And uh, but I did hear it was uh, one of the worst scripts of all time. It was, you know what, he, and, and I back this up with seeing, because April and I went on a tear and watched all of his movies at one point, not that, when, probably when Split came out, we were like, oh, we ought to watch all of his movies. So I watched some of the ones I had seen, it sounded like The Lady in the Water with Paul Giamatti, sucked. The Village liked it. We saw The Visit, where the two kids go to see these people that they think are not their grandparents. Not fake grandma, or great yeah. fake grandma. And it's just the way that he writes dialogue. He's just, he's channeling George Lucas uh, with this, you know, Harrison Ford once said to George, much to George's giant frowning, hey, George, you can write this stuff, but you certainly can't say it. Um, it's just very unnatural, not people sounding dialogue. I mean, in the old movie, uh, Old the Beach Makes You Get Old, which I, I, I just like to call it that, the kid was going around asking people, hello, who are you and what do you do for a living? Who the hell talks like that? Ah! So anyway, it did actually well, end up bearing fruit later in the film, but still, it was weird. Well, so yes, he has a new film, Knock at the Cabin. Uh, this stars um, Dave Bautista as essentially these vagabonds that really aren't vagabonds that approach this family that has gone up to a cabin to just have a vacation to two to, uh, to men and their, their, their adopted daughter, most likely. Because uh, they are white and she's Asian, so I'm guessing that she's adopted. So, they're two, hanging two, out. Two men in a truck. Yeah, they're okay. hanging out <laughs> a remote cabin, and all of a sudden, Dave Batista and uh, several other people, including Rupert Grint, uh, Ron Weasley, comes towards it's them. So essentially, breaks into the home and says, um, "You pretend we're here to stop the apocalypse from happening, and what you do next uh, could decide your fate." And this does not look like it's going to go well. Um, never going to a cabin rarely ever results that, in something yeah. good. I mean, let's, you know, if you run a down cabin in the woods, cabin fever, it's going to be demons. It's going to be flesh eating yeah. virus. It's gonna, there's just nothing that's really positive. Like you said, it's going to come out of going to a cabin. So sleep away camp. Yeah. We don't, we, yeah, you know, we, don't yeah, we don't really do camping in this family though. April keeps saying, no, I'm going to get you to take you out. It's still in all this time, we never just end up doing it. So, you know what? I kind of feel like we're probably in a pretty good space. The most camping we ever did is we went to the UP and April got it. Airbnb and an honest God TP that was pretty sweet. I think I'll draw the line right there. If a that killer works. doesn't get you, the mosquitoes will. And then exactly. You get, like, typhoid. Who right. wants oh, that? who wants typhoid in this? Glamping, day? folks. It's the glamping. 
glamping. When does this movie come out? Because obviously I'm going to go see it. Yeah, so this will come out in February 3rd, 2023. Perfect time for horror. That Usually they do very well that time of the year because not much right. is happening. Right, um, right, right. And there's going to be a twist in this. We don't know what it is, but apparently this twist? is based, It's apparently based on a bestseller called The Cabin at the End of the World. So at least it's based on oh, something. Oh, oh. And that is based on an Elton John song from 1980 called Two Rooms at the End of the World, of which there was a uh, there was a tribute album where a bunch of people did his songs in the 90s. So look at that. I reverse reverse engineered that into some music trivia. That's what I'm good at. Yeah, and Sandman had a, a, a short uh, couple of issues called The Inn at the End of the World as well. And I there think there's go. even Edgar Wright, The End of the World uh, pub uh, in his series. So, oh, yeah, you know, there you go. Uh, this, you know, if, if nothing, this should be entertaining, if not right. high quality. Hopefully it is better scripted. It looks like he's got a partner on this one scripting it. So we'll see how Good. that goes. Yeah, he's used to lift. So anyway, speaking of things coming to the movies that were previously spent for TV, uh, we've been seeing marvel shows shows this show that show this show and the shows varying quality people love loki people love wandavision movies that come out this year have been total thumbs down people have really just not been digging on it so maybe marvel has been listening to what's in the wind they looked at their upcoming armor wars television program which we've known about for a couple of years and they said we're going to make this film instead. We're going to make this new franchise fair. We like those, Todd, as you have said, we like those butts and seats dollars as opposed to people paying $9.99 for Disney Plus a month. You know what I mean? And and not getting the ticket dollars. So, yeah, this is now Armor Wars, which would be, uh, which is starring James Rhodes, uh, Don Cheadle, uh, adapted from a, um, a storyline in the 1980s of the same name from the Iron Man comics where Tony Stark finds out that everybody is stealing his shit and putting it out there on the black market, makes it his mission to go out there and re recapture and basically destroy his designs to keep them out of the bad hands. I think this is an awesome development. You know what I mean? This sounds like something that they could take it to a scale where it really belongs. And further rumors suggest, and against in, in lockstep with things you see in the comic, that this could lead to Robert Downey Jr. returning potentially as an AI version of Tony Stark, which has happened more than once in the comics. So I am all for this. This sounds awesome. Yeah, so um, I, I believe Secret Invasion predates Armor Wars. So uh, we uh, are going to no, get no, a no, prolonged no. story. No no, 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 no. In regards to the the, the Disney oh, yeah, yeah. Plus no, not, not schedule, the not, yeah, not the yeah, comics. Yeah. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying, in regards to that. So I think what can really work well is when you got TV and movies complementing each other when you need it. Um, and I think what's been a big problem with the Disney Plus shows, like uh, Hawkeye, I think worked really well, but sometimes it felt like it was stretched out too far. Um, and it feels like the budget is just not the same as doing mm -hmm, a big movie. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you're going to have big wars with like Colossi. Yeah, uh, I mean, you want to be impressed. You don't want to be like, eh, right, that seemed like it was cheaped out. And Hawkeye's a great contrast because, again, it's a dude with a bow and arrow. It mm -hmm. seems very low budget as opposed to, oh, we got all these suits of armor and all this. You can't on a, a TV budget, as it were, or the scope of it. Like, yeah, I'm watching it on my TV. I've got a nice big TV, but it's not a 75-inch movie screen. You know, yeah. it's my 70-inch TV, which is great, but it's not the boom with the crazy sound and all this different stuff. So, yeah, this is... Definitely something I think that requires spectacle, and particularly if they pull a rabbit out of their hat and give us Robert Downey Jr. back uh, in some form, 
he's been missed and people love him. He is the MCU to an entire generation of young moviegoers. Um, this could be Marvel's, you know, next really big thing. Uh, although we did see, since you and I recorded it, uh, we did see obviously the, the final trailer to Wakanda Forever and we snagged our tickets. That looks amazing. But it does. Again, the chance to rekindle glory, that's what it's going to take after very middling, you know, phase four that we've all felt that Marvel's Uh-oh. had. So who's. Yeah, who's to say? We're looking at probably oh, two years. Two years before we see this. You dropped out on me for a second, Charlie. Whoops! <laughs> I thought I we lost you. I thought no, I no. lost you. You, no, you no. Had like a long pause, and you were gone, and I couldn't see you, and I couldn't hear you. So it's my uh, it's my reason to tear. Uh, my reason for being no. Uh, so we should be seeing this what in a couple of years, twenty twenty five. Uh, probably Ish. and you know the cool part is Ironheart was shown in the trailer for right uh wakanda so i'm guessing she will be as part of this because she's right 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 movies. that could make sense to team up with Rhodey and have a connection of like new and old um and this could be really good so i'm i'm hopeful and i hope disney does take an approach make a movie where it's appropriate make a tv series where it's appropriate right so, scales uh, take know, it to the if, scales if it works it works um something yeah, also potentially could work really well is the fact that Deadpool three is finally announced for the MCU. Uh, this was uh, essentially uh, potentially supposed to be a D 23. Didn't we got right. it dropped on Twitter and Ryan Reynolds is saying, I have, I'm out of ideas. I don't want to, I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden you see Hugh Jackman walking around his house. He says, Hey, Hugh, you want to be at Wolverine in Deadpool three? Sure. Okay. So that is our plot. They've announced it. It's official. It's coming in 2024. There was a placeholder Marvel film on the schedule. Now we know that it's this. And we also got a follow-up to explain more about this. It was kind of a Q&A. But we got whammed. Wake Me Up Before Go Go comes on where they explain all the plot points. And it's just them goofed <laughs> around to explaining a fight and being goofy. Right. So this oh is going to happen. Um, and you know, folks, a couple things you have to do. We got to finally get Wolverine in costume because it has to happen. Yellow spandex, baby. It's what everybody has always been dreaming of. That's where it's at. Yeah. Yellow and yellow and tan. That's what we want. I want the yellow yellow and tan. I want the yellow and the blue. It's that Christmas song. Yellow and tan. Yeah. Sing it with me. Yellow and tan. Classic combination. Yellow and tan. You know, yellow and tan. Everybody likes it. It's like your grandfather's uh, wardrobe. That's that's as far he goes. Shades (laughs) of brown. (laughs) Very 70s with a with a with with a twill wool cap. Very Irish. Shades of mustard. The yellow and the brown mustard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, I know a lot of people are worried about, you know, oh, this is going to detract from Logan and its presence. And I'm like, you know what, though? Professor X killed all the X-Men in that movie. So is that how we want to end the, the right. X-Men's legacy? Well, you know, and I was listening to something else that said, well, hey, you know, Logan is supposed to take place in 2028. And if this comes out in real time and it's supposed to be blah, 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 then maybe this is Logan before we got there. I mean, I, you know, or maybe it's a pocket dimension or maybe they don't address it at all because it's all played for giggles. Just have Wolverine you know I mean? show up anywhere, right? He's in yeah. the 70s, in the 60s, in the 80s. He's in 2015. Yeah, he's let, always let just play around. He's always old and he's always doing his thing, so. It's going to work out. It's going to be fine. It's not worth uh, being, you know, Bummersville, USA all about it. So anyway, that'll be fun. And they promised us this in 2024. That's what yeah, September 2024. Like, so. And, you know, why not? This is this gets us mutants in the MCU. And if, yes. even if it's in a goofy fashion, I'm all for it. Right. 
why not? Yes, they can make their serious debut. And, and Charlie, fa- I don't know if this 17. is phase 18 or 16 or 12. I don't know. I mean, I've are we track. in phase six? I mean, is I, I mean, whatever. We'll, we'll go to the movie theater and we'll see it. And you can attach whatever significance to it makes you happy. So anyway, speaking of significance and making you happy, Todd, a video game uh, television program that might not be a pile of poopy. This is actually something that April has played. I have not. I watched her play it. It was awesome. I thought she was doing really well. She can hear me in the other room while we're recording this bit. She's waiting me to come back so we can continue watching that movie. Um, but I thought she did really, what I saw of it was really super cool. But the, the, the last of us, is uh, Todd, tell us about The Last of Us for the uninitiated. Yeah, The Last of Us is a video game that came out on the end of the PlayStation 3. Uh, it's by Naughty Dog Studios, and essentially it's an apocalypse tale. Uh, instead of zombies, you essentially have the infected. There's this 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 fungus that infects humans. It's spread uh, um, through the air, and as the humans infect longer, they incubate and become worse and worse monstrosities and essentially the humans have to protect themselves you know with with breathing apparatus so they don't breathe it in so they get infected um and essentially dooms humanity i mean it becomes like everybody's wiped out um humanity is all over the place in little pockets and that's truly what this is uh it's the last of us um we've got a main character joel um who has a very i mean if you've never if you even if you just watch the opening sequence of the video game it's very riveting about uh a person who's there during the outbreak and he loses his family that's joel and he's basically lost his way in the several years later and he's tasked to take ellie and bring her to a group uh called the fireflies which are kind of like the resistance and that's kind of the plot and how those two uh form a bond to survive uh, is really, really fantastic. Uh, there's two games. The first game is really, it's, they say the first game is about love. The second game is about hate. And they follow that theme. So the first Well, everyone knows for someone. there's a thin line between love and hate. Bobby Womack. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so the trailer that, was really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we, did, we got, yeah. right. Pedro Pascal and uh, the Mandalorian. And who are some of the other stars that we see in here? Um, we've got uh, the lady. Was it Dormon? It was the young little lady from uh, Game of Thrones. So she's okay. Ellie. Um, okay. Then we've got um, a, a, a few other well-known actors. I'm looking for the cast. Uh, Bella Ramsey, that's her name. El, uh, Ellie. We've got Meryl Dandridge as Marlene. Storm Reed as Riley. Gabriel Luna as Tommy. And Nick Offerman as Bill. So, strong cast. Ooh, this Nick is Offerman. by the, nice. sh- the showrunner. Did Chernobyl for HBO Max. This is on nice. HBO Max. Uh, this should be high level. And then we they do show the, the, the infected. They're called the clickers. They make weird noises. The clickers. Uh, essentially, fungus. They can't see, but they can use sound to to attack people so um right. it's it's got some really cool story twists it's really neat and it's great to see the dynamics of that relationship of just joel and ellie versus like a walking dead where it's a whole community this is truly two people right. who only can trust themselves that to survive so i'm re- looking for this and, this, and cool. it looks like it's going to ape uh the storyline pretty well but it's bringing new characters and things like that to build upon it because um you know if they want to make this be multiple seasons they've got to milk it because really we've only got the two games so um, nice to make it cool. worth it and i can see where it could really uh explore and be, go beyond the games even too um so we'll see sweet 
Awesome. Good deal. All right. Wrapping it up, we have, uh, and again, we're going to expand upon a little bit about this at the end of the show when we get into the Thunderdome, talking about our uh, Canadian classic. Uh, that would be Scanners. Looks like the folks over at HBO are looking to uh, take the concept and bring it into a more modern lens. Now, Scanners, as I said, we're going to talk about later, came out in 1981. David Cronenberg, who has done a lot of wacky stuff in his time, is an actor who's actually currently on Star Trek Discovery, which which is just a crazy turn to think he, he's a he's a psychologist doctor on that show, which is just kind of a really weird turn. But he's made, like you said, a lot of body horror horror films in his time. Uh, and this was this was one of the originals. I had never seen it. Exploding Head uh, is the most famous portion, but uh, centers around a rebellious leader named uh, Revok, who is played famously by Michael Ironside. And this he and his crew want to take over the world, sort of like an extra bloodthirsty. Magneto. Uh, but the corporation uh, and its scanners are sent out to stop him. So that's a crazy cool concept. So this is basically the X-Men with obviously a lot more bloody violence. Uh, and if it's on HBO Max, you know, it's going to be well-produced, well-funded. It's not going to be a, you know, network level of, you know, dreck potentially. Um, so this sounds awesome. So uh, cameras are rolling on this and I would feel like this would be something we'd probably see and, you know, maybe end of next year, early 2024. So it's pretty sweet. I'm excited. Yeah. And the people behind this are actually pretty impressive too. Uh, the, the person behind it is uh, the guy who, who wrote the episode of black mirror called the USS Callister, which Charlie, if you've not seen, I highly recommend the episode because it is how to get around to it. Everybody. The, the, yeah. the TOS. It's yeah. taking that. It's really, really well done. Very dark. Yeah. Um, uh, really great episode, but he's going to be writing it. Um, and then uh, essentially you've got the director who's uh, going to direct some of the, the, the pilot is by uh, the guy who behind Lovecraft Country, which I really liked that series on HBO. I watched the mm -hmm. first two episodes. I'd like to watch more of it. Um, that was really, really well done as well. So um, I, I think this could be a cool series if it's done well with a budget today's, you know, sensibilities of quality and what they can really bring to the, the medium, right. especially with good writers and, and showrunners on HBO. This could be cool taking a, yeah. a, a, a probably, like you said, it's, this is a very niche movie that right. many people Big didn't time. hear of. You only saw the one sequence. I'd want to see it for year, many years. We're going to talk about this. We're not going to spoil more of it, but if right. they can build on the concept, make it better, could be a True. sequel. Don't know, but right. um, this could be cool. Could be. Good deal. I like it. So yeah, that'll be fun. So like I said, my vibe tells me we would see this probably in 2024 at the soonest. But as you know, we're all slave to the streaming world. Uh, and as you can take and leave streaming things as they come and go, this is something that you can pick up. So anyway, all right, well, that's it for the news. Todd, time as always. It's time to uh, get up out of here um, and get ourselves over to the place down in Nasty Town, where the funky stuff happens. I'm talking about the Geek Easy. Let's get on down there, talk about what we're enjoying. Time to go. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting in the Geek Easy, drinks are poured, and we are ready to get our nerd on. So, Charlie, uh, the series has finally dropped. One of your favorite heritage series Clunk is drops. now renewed. We're not going to talk about the old one. 
because nope. you've talked about it before. We're well, going right into Quantum Leap. And we both have. New series. And both, yeah, so this Quantum Leap, we find out really quickly, there's been two episodes out. Uh, Todd was confused and thought they dropped to it once, but it's been out for two weeks now. Uh, there'll be a third one by the time you've heard this. But uh, no, this show is very much a continuation of the classic series. So, you know, we've now jumped forward. The original series ended in 1993. So we're now 30 years forward. Uh, they do reflect on the real uh, life death of a- actor Dean Stockwell, who played Al Calavici. That does get a, sh- that does get a mention and then is further developed into the second episode uh, as being part of why Ben, who is our physicist scientist, uh, becomes our quantum leaper. He goes prematurely. Uh, you don't know why he went prematurely, but that does really echo the classic series because Sam Beckett, played by Scott Bakula, did the same thing, uh, leapt into this fancy device that projects his consciousness into the past where he leaps from person to person within his own lifetime to you know set right what went wrong, etc., etc. So this is the same kind of thing, but we're getting a little bit more um, partition with Project Quantum Leap and characters there. So the uh, the the AI or the the Al, as it were, is actually played by a woman who turns out is actually Ben's fiance, but he doesn't know that because he has the Swiss cheese brain, which is typical of of leaping. But we have a support staff, including um, a transgendered individual whose character's name I'm forgetting. And then we have the character of Magic, played by Ernie Hudson, who is a heritage character that Sam leaped into in order to save his own brother in Vietnam back in, you know, 1970. Strong start. Uh, I talked about this a little bit to someone. Was I talking to you? I was talking, no, maybe I was talking to April. In the first episode, he leaps into Philadelphia in 1985 when Live Aid was happening in Philadelphia in 1985. Um, they, They did a very, first of all, very obviously filmed on the, New York City backlot at Universal Studios, which has been seen in 50,000 things. They don't even bother to try to cover it up. And it's like he gets, he's he's sitting, he's it's a bank heist and he's the driver. And while he's waiting, he gets out of the car and he's confused. But there's a movie marquee that says double feature with, you know, Goonies and Iron Eagle or something. And two people walk by and they're trading cassette tapes. And it's just, it was like, can we just jam some 80s into like 10 seconds worth of whatever. So pretty corny, pretty networky. But everybody's dressed like it's 2022. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, all, all 80s things happening at the same time. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right, because it's very, this fashion is very cyclical. So I, I enjoyed it. The second episode was a little bit of a, he jumped, well, you saw this at the end, Todd, he jumps into an astronaut. So it's an it's kind of an astronaut episode uh, doing stuff in space, which was kind of fun. I like it. You know, it's, it's it, you know, there's, like I said, there's a B-plot happening at Quantum Leap where, you know, why did Sam leap? Uh, and you find out at the first episode, it, it has something to do with Al's, one of Al Calavici's, he has four daughters, which was established at the end of the classic series. Um, one of them might have something to do with why Ben leaped or decided he needed to jump in and start quantum leaping. So so they have plot threads they're going to develop. But uh, I don't know, as a, as a standalone, I think it was pretty good. Todd, what did you think? Um, it reminds you network TV doesn't do well with genre. I, I don't think the show is good. Not well written. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. I, I just, if I it didn't have Quantum Leap on it, Charlie, you wouldn't be watching it. Well, That's I, the thing. I think this show does not do anything very well. It right. just is Quantum Leap. And so I'm like, yeah, I didn't think there was anything here that was dragging me to say, I want to come back. Right. It, it just is not a good show. Because I didn't think the acting was good, and I think the plot's like, oh yeah, I remember bad, uh, you know, 
the way TV used to be when it wasn't well written wasn't this feels like it's that and it's yeah. on NBC. NBC is not a good network. They don't make any good shows. Well, I, like I said, but they made the original show and it was really great. But yeah, that you know what? But that it, was 40, 30 years ago. Right. And you know what? That's a show that got better as time went by. So anyway, I have not checked into if anyone else thought it was great. I don't know if the show's doing well. Again, I don't know how it does in the ratings. You're not, you'll see my air quotes if you're watching us on YouTube. I don't know. I don't know how the metrics are going to measure it. So we'll see if this survives or not. I have no idea. So anyway, it's a it's procedural. It's it's this is the network that's Chicago TV. It's the procedural <laughs> they know how to do. It just happens those to be are those flashy yeah, one. Yeah, those yeah. are those Chicago Chicago Fire Chicago Hospital. And I, I always tease April. She doesn't watch them, but she watches some procedurals. I'm like Chicago Department of Public Works. Oh, we got to pick up the garbage. Uh, anyway, okay. So yes. that was TV. Um, and then just before we got home. Uh, April and I went out uh, to the movies. Obviously, we go to the movies all the time. I talk about that pretty, pr- pretty frequently. But been seeing this trailer for this new horror film. And again, we're now into horror film season. But it's called, and, and I said The Barbarian, but it's just Barbarian. Okay, so there was a trailer several months ago, which is how we knew about it, um, that paints a, a, a picture of a woman pulls up in front of a house in the pouring rain. You know, the light is on. It's established that she's going into an Airbnb and she goes there and, and opens the lock and the, the key's not there because there's already a dude in there and it's Bill Skarsgård. So already you're like, oh, the guy from It is in my Airbnb. This is going to be a bad situation. And that's the whole trailer. Because he lets her in, they get to, she's like, well, maybe you should just stay here or whatever. And you see her go and lock her door or whatever. And it's just, you're getting, you're, you're getting like, okay, well, Skarsgård is a serial killer and he's luring this girl in or whatever it is. So that's what got us wound up thinking that the movie was going to be like. And we get there and Todd, I was, we were talking about this in the pre-roll. I know you said you wanted a little bit more juice. This movie is not about that at all. It, it goes through that. Skarsgård is, you know, we're watching it the whole time. We're like, uh, there's going to be a moment that he's going to flip a switch and then he's going to he's going to hit her over the head there. And early on, he's making her a cup of tea. I'm like, oh, he drugged her tea. Early on, he's pouring her a glass of wine. Oh, he, he drugged her a glass of wine or something. They're sitting having conversation and he's like, well, I'll sleep on the couch. You sleep in the bedroom. She gets in the bedroom and, and doesn't lock the door. And then she wakes up in the middle of the night and the door is open. And Bill Skarsgård sleeping on the couch having night terrors. And you're like, oh, what's going to happen when she goes to wake him up? I'm going to stop my analysis right there. Go see this movie. If you enjoy the psychological thriller, if you enjoy twists and turns and shit that you just did not see coming, this is the film for you. That's what I'm going to say. So this is maybe more black phone than like a yes. gross out type of movie. Yes. Okay. I you like know, those. There's definitely aspects in the second half of the movie that are is disturbing energy imagery but i would not say it's a lot i wouldn't say that's a lot of gore there is a murder that happens within it that uh, that is that i would describe as gore but it's a lot of very fast cuts so it's not uh, and, and there's there's some implied gore but it's almost dark humor uh, for a later a later death in the film. So, Todd, okay. one of your five dollar Tuesday movies. Go see this. Trust me. I, I think you'll. I think you will find it's worth it. Yeah, my movie watching has kind of got upended by by COVID. Well, such, but of so course, yeah. I'm looking to see some movies in the future. That would be great. It's fun. Uh, I, I looked at the, the box office. They pulled about thirty five million. I think this month. I don't know if that makes it hmm. a success for this kind of genre. It came out on the 
Did it say it came out on the 9th? So I guess it's been out for a while. Maybe it's not that successful, but we enjoyed it, and that's really where it's at. So, Well, because I know Smile was the big horror film that came out this week, right. and that was getting interesting reviews, too. So okay. it's definitely well, uh, maybe yeah, that's maybe that's Maybe that's one that April and I will go see uh, sometime this week. Sorry. Mandatory yawn. Um, yeah, maybe this one we'll see this week. So anyway, all right, Todd, you're good. Gonna... Good job muting and then calling it out. <laughs> Whoops. Oh no. I, I have overplayed my hand again. Todd. All right, Todd, yes. you, you're talking about a couple things we've both seen. So get ready, get ready for some interruptions. Yeah, we missed a cut. Like we said, we missed last week. So we've got more, a little more things to catch up on. So one of those things is Andor dropped. We have four episodes now that I've watched. I'm assuming you've watched all four. Right, as well, and, Charlie. and a quick sidebar, if I can, uh, you faithful listeners will have noticed we did not have a holocron this week. Our friend Mark lives in Nova Scotia. They were blasted by Hurricane Fiona. He lost power for the better part of a week. Um, mm-hmm. So what Mark and I decided just today, we're going to come back on regular schedule. So a week, uh, by the time you listen to this, it'll be out the following Monday. We're going to do a super episode where we cover the first five episodes. So. Stay tuned. Yes. So this will be my take on Andor because, Charlie, you're going to go more in depth than, than we will to this one. So you get my take. So Andor um, is essentially Rogue pre-Rogue One, uh, where you've got Cassie Andor. Essentially, it's his origin story. Adon was a kid, grew up on this, like, Lord of the Fly planet, got, uh, you know, basically found and now leads a life where he's trying to find a sibling that's kind of like the spoiler but that's kind of like what happened in episode one that's kind of where we're at um this series is essentially the foundation of the rebellion but when it's star wars somebody's always rebellion rebelling so so much rebelling yeah so this show is going to be what 12. 12 episodes? It's going to be 12 and 12, so 24 over two seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're 25% is complete, and I feel like this could have easily been one episode that inspired it all. Um, we had essentially one action sequence, and the rest was kind of... Talky. Just a lot of talky and a lot of things that I feel like are fine, but didn't add a lot of value and drama and compelling narrative like i I think the show yeah yeah. and i've said it time and again to other people i've talked about i said there's no mystery on why day one they dropped three episodes because the first two were talky and boring and the and even it's even very telling that when when katie and i we went with our spouses and saw rogue one in the theaters at the end of august um, in IMAX, which was great, but they had oh, a special sneak peek of Andor. They showed the scene from the third uh, from the third episode when they're in the factory, the talky part, and then the actiony part. Um, so it's like it's really telling that the two segments that came before that were so boring and unnecessary that the recap of the third episode really would have got you where you needed to be. That's really telling. Yeah, and I'm struggling right now to. I know they were supposed to supposed to be like how bad the empire is. They're mm-hmm. talking about how bad the empire. They're not showing it, and I think that with that lack of context, it just feels like yeah, it's bad. And Cassian Hunter's going to shave, and he's going to be a spy, and he's <laughs> going to get in there, and he's going to shave. And, and I just think if this didn't have like a Tie Fighter going by, this would be on HBO Max somewhere, and people wouldn't care. Right. I, I just don't think it's that good and that compelling without star wars saying this is good star wars or this is well done well produced all this stuff and i i just feel like once again 
I don't know. It's it's it's. I feel like if this didn't have Star Wars, I probably wouldn't watch it either. It'd be like, oh, this is another show. I I have a higher bar for science fiction than Star Wars is just providing. Star Wars is essentially is just like. It's delivering pretty mediocre content that people just like because of the brand. It's, 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 I hate to say people. Yeah. It's tough to compete on its own legs is what you're saying. So yeah. And, pretty and, and, much, yeah. and they, because they know it, they don't have to worry about it so much because again, there's going to be an audience that's built in there, but the, the, the vitriol that we felt for Book of Boba Fett, the vitriol that we felt for Obi-Wan has not really come out so far because people are saying it's the least member berries it's the least nostalgic it's the least easter eggy show that's come out and i think you and i can both agree at least to this point that that's that's a big relief and that that's a great thing that we like it is you know yeah Yeah, because at least you could you could watch this and say okay the acting is good yeah the cinematography the the sets design is good it's just the story right now after four episodes i kind of feel like it's it's not pushing me forward Right. Yeah, they're gonna. They're right, gonna, and, and they're, gonna the, go, they're gonna go in and go into another rebe- um, empire holding, like right. yeah, because they've never done that before. They've never snuck into. Well, a, this is, this I feel I get, like these I, plot lines right. have been repeated so often. I'm like, that's what we've been doing with Star Wars. They always sneak in, are hiding, right. and if you show me that yeah. plot line one more time, I'm gonna be like. Yeah, because they don't do that every time. Right. Come on, Star Wars, be well, better and do something we, else. We had the same experience because we did finally tune back in to the Orville, which was something you and I have been talking about for weeks. Yeah. I'm like, April and I were flipping through who we were like, well, you know, should we give it a stab? We're like, yeah, okay, fine. And it's just it's just the same. It's it's two, three, maybe four different TNG plots crammed into one episode. It's just a copy. And the people who don't want to see anything different. So the people who hate New Trek love the Orville because it's the same shit. It's just, I will say the Orville has at least moved to the point where it's not like it was in the first season with the very sub-sophomoric and immature um, family guy style humor. That's not present anymore. Now it's a little more serious. It's a little more dramatic, but it's still just ripping off Star Trek. And it's just, they just don't even try. It's bad. It's bad. So yeah, I'm not I'm not feeling the call to go back and watch it's it. It's like Andromeda or yeah. one of those Star Stargate SG ones, <laughs> which were those, were those went thing. on for like ten seasons each show. I, I mean, know, and people know. absolutely fucking love them. It's just you know we, we do live in this embarrassment of riches of entertainment where there's yeah. there's plenty for anyone. But anyway, all right, what else do you have? Well, something that's obviously more like lower stakes as you can get even lower. But the, the lowest stakes. Oh, my God. Yeah. So <laughs> let's put it this way. Um, Hocus Pocus is a huge thing for a lot of people. Yeah, very, um, very huge. For, and a lot, of, I, a lot of cosplayers I know, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, that's fine. It's, 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 it's for other people that love it. Um, my wife loves it. It's something that she watched a billion times. It is comfort food. It comes sure. through. And it's it's got a sense of charm for it. It's that spooky, Which, that's not scary. Absolute poison to you, Todd, comfort food. I know. <laughs> well... <laughs> It is what it is, and like it's it's just when people proclaim comfort food is the best thing ever, and I'm like, comfort no, comfort fu- food is comfort. Comfort food is as a genre. Nobody proclaims the hocus pocus is the best thing ever. You people know what? Love it. That would it's be just a, not the best thing. That ever. would be a great installment of remember the old scary movie franchise, comfort yes. food. 
Just comfort yes. food, the movie. There you go. All right, somebody, get me, get get me a check. Let's get rolling on this bitch. I'll write the script. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Hocus Pocus one. I've only seen clips. I've never seen the whole movie. Oh, really? we just start. Um, we just started no. watching it again today. No. It's it's on the rotation. No. And I asked, and I asked the wife. I'm like, you know what? I've never seen it. Should I watch it? I mean, I'm assuming I won't be lost. But I mean, is it add value? Things like that. She goes, no, just go. And I'm like, okay. So I've but I've seen all the the the, the, the main things that tell me exactly what I need to see. I'm like, yeah, sure, okay. So we watched Hocus. Pocus 2 on Friday because that's when it came out and it's a cute movie I mean that's the best I can say it's not scary everybody's having a good time um I I liked um some of the new additions of the cast I thought uh the shop owner uh I can't remember his name but he just seems to be an Sam Sam Richard Sam Richardson yeah he was in he's great he was in this great show that was called uh Motown or Detroit or something it was on Comedy Central, and it, they were mm-hmm. two low budget ad men oh, yeah. in Detroit. I loved because it was Mort Krim showed up in some of their videotapes and stuff. Like it was very, oh, de- very Detroity. By the way, I, and I even forgot to mention Barbarian, completely set uh, set in Detroit, framed in Detroit, the Brightmore neighborhood, which is one of the worst horrible ghetto neighborhoods of in course. Detroit. But it was <laughs> it was filmed in Croatia, so they were able to pull it off. Ah, yes, good standing. But yeah, I mean, Hocus Pocus is just. It is what it is. Tony, um, oh, from uh, Arrested Development. Uh, Tony Hale. Isn't yeah. yeah. Tony Hale. Really good, too. Everybody just, this is the, the movie you do where you want to show up. You want to ham it up. Just have yeah. a good time and be goofy. There's a couple of musical scenes that aren't very good. But no, you know what? No, it's not very It's good. fan service for the people that love it. Right. Bette Midler, all the, all the main cast are just, it's something they love. And they put their love into it. I can't say more than that. Um, it's I, definitely for kids and people I, who lo- I can, are kids at heart. I can certainly say they had to use less makeup uh, trying to age up the three stars because it's a 30-year-old movie. Uh, but it was funny because we started watching the first one. And I guess I, I had only seen it initially a few years ago because I didn't see it as a kid. I mean, we weren't really a Disney household. We were we were Star Trek and Star Wars household when I was growing yeah. up. So we hadn't seen it. But yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, they, they in the beginning of the first movie, they had well, Charlie, they, you were a junior. You were a junior in high school. I'm guessing right. this is not in your wheelhouse. I'm going to go see this on a Friday night with my friends because if, if it was I, in the movies, if in I, the theater. If I had a girlfriend, I would have, but I did not. So there you go. Uh, a girlfriend exactly. who loved Disney shit um but that is how i saw the little mermaid same thing um but it's just they absorb they they were in old age makeup they had absorbed the essence of a child and that's how they became mm-hmm. young so uh they didn't end up doing that in this one and they just looked their own age but kathy najimi really lost a lot of weight between this movie and the last movie which you generally don't see over 30 years so i hope she's okay i'm guessing so some people you know they make a life change and yeah they true. try to take care of themselves very oh, true hocus pocus too if you know what you're getting into or if you've got young kids and you like more spooky than scary stuff you know check it out it's on disney plus everybody's got it right everybody's got it well that is it for the news so what it's really time for uh we're going to be revisiting uh, something we talked about back in the news but we'll be doing it in the land down under. That's right. We got to get to the airport to Air Qantas to get a sound of the Thunderdome. The mutants are waiting. So let's do it. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome. Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in the Thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained. And this week, we are kicking off a little delayed Shocktober week one. My goodness. We've got 
Scanners this week. So Scanners uh, was released January 14th. 1981 a budget of 3.5 million dollars and it made 14.2 so 4x that's not bad not bad uh, considering what they spent in those canadian dollars yeah a film because you know whenever i see a movie i immediately jump to imdb i want to know where they shot it this was shot in and around montreal uh, not Toronto, very, very French, not Toronto, which is where you see a ton of Canadian stuff, not Vancouver, which is where you see a ton of Canadian stuff. But yeah, Montreal. So there was a, they were in the shopping mall and that was the front. That was the opening sequence. Uh, and there was definitely and every, red was the predominant color of everything. I guess that's very 80s Canadian because, yeah, the whole mall, it kind of had the scope of like the mall from. Fast Times at Ridgemont High with all the, the elevators and the different, you know, big escalators and stuff. But everything was red with blinking lights and like super 80s. But yeah, anyway, to, to my point, you saw some some of the signs in the background of the food court were in French and whatever. So there you go. Frenchy French. Very good. Very good. So uh, scanners, the plot is as such. A scientist trains a man with an advanced telepathic ability called scanning to stop a dangerous scanner with extraordinary psychic powers from waging war against non-scanners. This was directed by David Cronenberg, written by David Cronenberg, starring Jennifer O'Neill, Stephen Lack, Patrick McGowan, and Michael Ironside. So uh, I guess to kick this off, I would say... Um, if you're not familiar with David Cronenberg, Cronenberg, that's kind of the best thing to, 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 to launch it here. David Cronenberg is a director that is very odd. Um, he loves body horror. Yep. Um, he did a movie named the brood before this, then he did the fly Ooh, and God. then he did a bunch of other even creakier, cre- uh, what, really did, what was that like creepy things was in the future? Br- Brazil was one of his big ones that he also did. Um, I don't know. That was Terry Gilliam. Oh, okay. So, gotcha. I don't know why I got mixed up that, but he, yeah. oh, he did blue velvet. That was him. Wasn't it? So that was, kind uh, of no, that was David Lynch. Good God. What did this man do? He is however, currently a uh, character in Star Trek Discovery. He's the holo- holographic slash uh, counselor dude with yes. the big glasses. So I will give That's you. I, I will give you a little bit of his filmography. Yes, so please. he did Crash, The Fly, Crimes of the Future, which is that new body horror film, uh, Videodrome, A History of Violence, History Scanners, of, violence, of right, course, right. Eastern Promises, uh, Dead Ringers, Existence. Um, I mean, and, naked and, and, lunch. And naked lunch with Peter Weller. That's what, what I was thinking of. Uh, mm-hmm. I generally try to keep my clothes on at lunch if I can help it. Now he's a Canadian because I know the fly was filmed in Toronto because you, you see this, you yep. see, you see the, he's from Toronto. You yep. see the Toronto version of the space needle, which I can never remember what it's called in the background in one of the, one of the driving scenes. So that's yep. how I knew. Um, yes. so yeah, so this was, this was wild. Yeah. We have a cast with the exception of, uh, Patrick McGowan, who is the science guy, and then Michael Ironside, who is, of course, you know, one of the best parts of Starship Troopers. Um, and V. And V, yeah, but you, where mm-hmm. he also gets to, you know, have makeup torn off his face, which he did in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Jennifer O'Neill and Stephen Lack, so the male and female leads, uh, were not and did, did not become very familiar to at least American audiences. I'm guessing potentially they are Canadian actors, saw them in some other stuff. Maybe they showed up on, you can't do that on television. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. He, he has not been in. Yeah. Stephen Lack didn't have many roles. Um, Jennifer O'Neill. So, I mean, she was definitely in more things, but yeah, the cast, except for 
Patrick McGowan and Michael Ironside are rarely, you know, not people that you would probably have noticed. Um, right. Patrick McGowan, you know, he, I, was he in the Avengers? The, the Prisoner. He was the star of The Prisoner. prisoner. Got it. Yeah. yeah. And he was in, he's been in other things as well, but yeah, I mean, the cast is pretty much well, uh, you know, not very well known because you spend $3 million, probably not getting, you know, right. the biggest actors of the time. The, the topest of the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie was definitely feels 80. So, you know, it's a pretty simple plot. I mean, you've got, right. uh, you know, this underground group of like ultimately X-Men who right are uh, out and about doing things and under the government's nose and the government's tried to develop a program that Peter McGoo Patrick McGowan is essentially leading. And right. he's essentially trying to track down Revic, Michael right. Ironside. Revac. Who yes. You, you, you see that was in filming of him when he was younger, um, essentially dr tried to drill a hole right. in his head right. to let out the voices and the demons. And, and um, uh, spoiler alert, it did not work. <laughs> yeah. And so, you now are led to this one character, the, the main character who Patrick McGowan is trying to become, turn him into essentially his own spy, Stephen Lack's character, right. who essentially isn't a good actor or the script is bad because or man, both. oh man, Charlie. Yeah. yeah or Could, both. Couldn't act his way out of a paper bag. No, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, there's nothing about, this was a film without a doubt as I was watching it, I'm like, Jesus, I'm bored watching this thing. Um, because the thing that it's the most famous for, oh, I started to try to bring it up on IMDb and I was hitting double M instead of double N, so I was getting scammers. I wonder if scammers is a movie. Maybe we should add that to the rotation. Um, I'm just, I mean, because I'm even just trying to remember some of the names of some of the characters and I couldn't even tell you Anybody, but you know, uh, Jennifer O'Neill is Kim, and then uh, Stephen Lack is Cameron Vale. Okay, wouldn't, wouldn't have known. Um, but the most famous part of the movie happens in the first 15 minutes where Ravak is sitting in an auditorium uh, with uh, his handler, or I can't even remember what it is, and he makes a dude's head explode. That's the part that you ask anybody about scanners. That's all I'd ever seen. The, the, the most of much of this film I had seen is I had seen that clip on YouTube. So I'm like, oh, scan it must have been when YouTube was relatively new. Because I'm like, I've been hearing about scanners my whole life. What's the deal? And I watched that and that was it. Yep. Blammo. Yeah, dude's I, head blows up. Yeah. Yeah, that is probably the most iconic scene. And the movie... I, I liked what it did from a tone perspective. Um, it definitely felt... Definitely low budget, but definitely had a tone where the music was of the time. It, right. I, I really liked the tone it set. It, it felt a little bit off. Um, and you kind of did feel a little bit off put because you're essentially in the along the way with Cameron, who essentially was a weirdo yeah. who was then trained and became normal out of the blue. Sure, why not? I didn't have, I didn't understand have, how it happened. Happens all the time. Yeah. 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 And, and then basically uh, he tries to then infiltrate and find Revic. I, and then you find there's this longer plot. Uh, eventually Revic is going to take this drug that the professor made to keep his children uh, subdued and, 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 and keep them under, um, I guess they're, 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 their powers under wraps and he was going to actually, but it actually created them, gave them powers. More, more right. So yeah. It was all, it was kind of yeah. like, uh, you remember, um, 
Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, and he's blasting through one of those things that he goes, children of thalidomide. And I had to, first of all, the classic mis- mm-hmm. misheard lyric is children of the little mind, but I had to look it up. So I'm like, what the hell was that? It was this drug back in the 1950s that they would give pregnant women to ease them with their symptoms. And in a lot of cases, the kids were born without arms or born without legs. It was, they didn't use it very much. So they kind of employed that kind of plot line. It was the same thing. It was the 1950s because now this was the 1980s. Those kids were grown up. So they were, it was one of these like, you know, brand X or what what's, you know, like Acme brand, whatever Acme brand, you know, there was ads in TV or in right, the exactly. magazines for it. Yeah. Right. So it, it was like, it, from, yeah, it was kind of like, you know, yeah, it was like that. Um, oh God, that was the other thing is so how we went and saw that. Uh, Don't worry, darling, which you said, well, oh, it's gaslighting the movie, which had a nice twist to it, but it was set in the 1950s. And I kind of thought like you open the magazine and there's, you know, ads for, you know, resist smile, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, it was that, that same kind of thing. Yeah. This was the big government, conspiracy dealio um to create a you know generation of super powered mutants and lo and behold it backfires oh my god <laughs> yeah it was it was kind of interesting because like talked about like there was blood there wasn't a lot of like except for the hex building there wasn't exactly like a lot of horrific scenes but it was hilarious like this crack squad that went out to attack people they brought shotguns with them which i'm like shotguns aren't stealthy at all they make a lot of noise and well, they blow things up and i'm like they're just shooting people up with shotguns yeah, all over the and place. nobody's really gonna so much bounce back from the whole shotgun bit so yeah no no and it was it was there was a one scene that i thought was hilarious because there was some weird undercurrent with the professor like he didn't he wasn't all there and he was talking to himself in a lot of weird ways it's very odd but the the whole concept was like they had to break into a computer to find out who how how this drug was being produced and things like that and i love the fact that they explain well the computer is like a it has a brain it has like a a, a electrical system and you can just go in and control the computer with your brain and make it and, and make it shut it down and i'm like Okay, I'm sure this is exactly how computers work. Right. Right. A central nervous system, they have a brain, they're living creatures, and that works. Right. Everybody knows and, that. It's easy. And then they then they cause the computer to explode and people are just jumping all over the place. And wow. Yeah. Um awesome. but there was totally a flam awesome. at the end, Charlie. There was the I know flam. there was there yeah. was the the big showdown between the two villains and things were exploding and you know in the end of it uh, Stephen Lack's character Cameron loses and he dies gets burned up and you're like oh my god what's going to happen and he does the old brain swap and now he is managed to overtake the mind and therefore body of uh, of Michael Ironside so our hero wins and he he got to kill the villain. By killing his brain. Now, does that mean he also uh, absorbed his power? I wonder. I guess maybe. Who could, knows? Could be. It's you know what you know. That's what we're going to find out in that TV series, Charlie. Yeah. Oh my god. So it could be a continuation. That's what you're saying. Could be. Could be. You know. Yeah. The, you know. The next generation and less less head exploding. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe oh, there's got to be some head exploding. Come on. Now they're not gonna. They're not gonna sell. <laughs> they're not gonna. They're not gonna sell. <laughs> yeah. Now short with thirty like percent more head exploding. Oh man, Yay. I'm gonna say it, you know at least at least thirty five percent. You know don't yeah. don't don't sell don't sell us out too short. Yeah, so uh, how many exploding heads would you give this film out of 10? Um, I would say for the $3.5 million budget, 
uh, and the effort they put out there and, and falling in, in lockstep with kind of how Cronenberg uh, does things. This is like a 6.75 exploding heads out of 10. I'll give it a six and a half for effort and tone. Everything else, buyer beware. It's an 80s film. Right. So yeah. some are better, some are worse. This one, interesting concept, just really, really struggles. Right. It's on the struggle bus. My goodness. Crazy stuff. Well, uh, Todd, we haven't even figured out what, what the hell other movies we're going to watch. So I guess we better, I guess we better not sleep on that. Um, but yeah, this was the first of Shacktober. Now, now trimmed down to four weeks instead of five. Whoops. Correct. So we've got work to do. We've yep. got three more movies coming up. We'll figure out what those are. We may have guests along the way. Um, we'll see how it plays out, but I'm always excited for more spooky content. No doubt about it. All right. Well, with that, that's the show. Todd, where do people find you out on the socials? Uh, follow me at Tioxtra, um, out there having a good time, enjoying the world of nerd and connecting with all the cool people out in the interwebs. All the funky donkey people. You can find me over on Twitter at the C3. Spell it out. I'm really at all pretty much social medias at that. My lovely wife April and I also run the USS Grant Petoskey. We are the premier chapter of Starfleet, the international Star Trek fan club here in Michigan. Find us on a website of that name and on socials as well. That's to do what I can uh, when I can to load up uh, news content over on Secret Friends Unite Facebook page. So look for your hot scoops over there. So with that, friends, again, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In a truck. Ouch, my head. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.